A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Ausbiz Live from our Barangaroo studios. Nice to have your company for the next hour for the call. 10 stocks picked by you. I put those stocks to our two experts. They give their opinion on them. We do it all in one hour on this 23rd of February. Let's bring in the team for today. Ben Clark from TMS Capital. Ben, afternoon to you. Thank you. Uh, Michael Gable from Fairmont Equities. Good afternoon Thank to you. you. A bit of a difference today. Um, on the uh, on the call, of course, we're being flooded by earnings reports at the moment. Um, one of the stocks that is coming up in the second half hour of the show is Blackmore's. They reported this morning. We've got the chief executive coming up later in the show. So uh, what I thought we'd do is make that stock of the day and get the opinion of, uh, of both Ben and Michael on Blackmore's and then second half of the program, when we look at the stock, we'll talk uh, to the chief executive and get the latest from the horse's mouth. So uh, this half hour, uh, we're going to be taking a look at Link. Qantas also reported this morning. Um, if you wondered where those really high um, airline prices uh, that you've been paying to travel at the moment is going to, let me tell you, it's going straight to Qantas's bottom line. Uh, we'll see how good it was. Uh, good drinks coming up, Genworth and Arden Leisure. Um, as I said, Blackmill Chief Executive coming up later in the program, but they delivered a 17% increase in net profit after tax to $24.5 million. Revenue declined by 1.6%. Uh, strong balance sheet led to the company declaring an interim dividend of 87 cents a share. That's up 38% on the previous corresponding period. So that should have been good news for shareholders, but... Um, on the daily trade, it is down. Market didn't like it. Um, ben Clark from TMS, what do you think of the result? I thought it was pretty solid. I mean, it's yeah. not a company we follow closely, and it, it it's kind of messy at the moment. Like it's because they're cycling against periods where, you know, there's some in Indonesia and um, and Malaysia, like they call it their international business. There's super strong sales because of the COVID outbreak that they were going through at that time and people, yeah. you know, taking vitamins left, right and centre. Yeah. Um, so it looks to me like cycling again, like Australia and New Zealand's actually been the highlight. They've eked out some growth there. Overall revenue's down a bit, but you probably give them a pass given what was mm. going on 12 months ago. Yep. Net cash on the balance sheet, um, you know, lifted the dividend, like you said. So yeah. I'm, I'm probably a bit surprised by that reaction. But yeah. we have seen some stocks that have really moved hard into their results. And even though the results have hit what the market was expecting, they've been sold off. So right. maybe that falls into this category. Well, down 6% at the moment. Do you, what do you think of Black Balls? At these levels, $76.39 at the moment. Geez, the heady days when, they were, when the China business was going well, yeah. it was $150, 200 bucks, was it? Yeah, I like. I think it's going to be another difficult period going forward because they've got a pretty good China business now, and yeah. you think that would do really well in the coming year. As you know, consumers can get back out; they can choose what brands they want to buy. They're not having things dropped off on their front doorstep, effectively. Yeah. Um, maybe a, a good question for the CEO when we speak to him is: the Australian New Zealand business is still the lion's share of the overall business, and. Yeah. 
I'd be interested to find out in downturns when consumers are pulling in the reins, how disposable spend right. is vitamins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that uh, is it a, a, a discretionary purchase right. or non-discretionary right. because it's for people's health, like yeah. healthcare. Yeah. Is it is it a healthcare business or, or is it consumer discretion? When you've got a bit more money, you feel like you can go out and spend yeah. thirty dollars on something. Yeah, yeah. Which, it's a really good point. Yeah. So. As an investment, probably a hold based right. on this on this this set of numbers, and particularly given the share price reaction, yep. you know, I'd, I'd, okay. I wouldn't be selling it now. Huh. Michael, um, yeah, an interesting reaction. I mean, just further to the point about whether consumers um, pull back their spending, I guess further to that, I'd be curious to to know if because um, Blackmores is more of a premium mm. um, product. I wonder mm. if um, you know consumers might even downgrade to another vitamin that's that's not Blackmores. Um, yeah. I wonder if they yeah. they see that in the tough times. But look, I concur with everything that, um, um, that's been said because, yeah, it looked like a good result. One of the few companies raising the dividend, they've got cash. Yeah. And it's, I think it's probably just a, um, a function of just how difficult it's been over the last few years. If you think about, yeah. obviously with, with COVID and the, the lack of sales and then bouncing back and then trying to find that that new normal. I mean, it's very difficult to try to, you know, value a business that just doesn't have mm. that sort of smooth last few years yeah. of, of earnings behind. Has, has the dispute with uh, Marcus Blackmore eased down a bit? Remember, he he, he was going at the management team for a while there, and the yeah. board um, that seems to have gone. Feels off the like it's calmed down. Yeah, it calmed Marcus, down from what I've seen over the years, seems to step in and out with this company. Right. I don't think it's a great. Look, um, no. you know, mm. I don't know if it really Certainly helps any. Settling. Well, better to do it behind closed doors, I think, yeah. generally. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, as I say, uh, Boss of Blackmore's coming up a bit later in the show. Let's get into the stocks that uh, you want us to have a look at. And Michael Joe wants a view on Link um, Administration, the mm. uh, uh, administration services group for superannuation funds, corporate markets that sort of thing. Um, also, having a few issues overseas, I noticed today on Monday that it says in advance discussions to settle a probe into uh, Link and to sell its uh, Dublin-based firm Waystone Group to get out of the issues there. Yeah, there's a, there's a few things going on. I mean, it's almost sort of in the too hard basket. They're trying to, they're offloading PEXA, so they've got a few things happening at the moment. Um, the first half report's still on the way, so you know I don't, it doesn't look like compelling value here. It's probably sitting at fair value. I mean, you've got a, a business that, I mean, in terms of share price, it's, it has been in a downtrend. It, you know, it has lifted up from where it was a few months ago, um, close to a dollar fifty. But um, yeah, before a result with with so many balls being juggled in the air, I'd uh, I'd, I'd like to wait for the result first. But okay. yeah, it's not one I'd be I'd be buying just yet. Right. Uh, ben, what do you think of it's messy? And as Michael said, when you have companies that are a bit messy, mm. and you've only got twenty or thirty in your portfolio, yeah, sort of, is this a classic case of oh, just too hard? There's easier ways to make money. Yeah, I think it could be. I mean, I'll, the one thing I would say is it's cleaning up the mess at the moment. So right. okay. it looks like it is simple on the path to simplification. So. Okay. 
It's done the in-specie distribution of the PEXA shares to its shareholders, which it did really well on. Yeah. But the it's had like you know these constant takeover bids for it feels like two or three years now that you know I think that's been a big distraction for management because the shareholders have all wanted them to engage and try and get the best price they can, and it's yeah. kept falling over for various reasons. The big issue they've had recently is they were the trustee of a fund in the UK, which blew up, yeah. and in um, they. Uh, didn't actually, well, it's alleged that they, the fund didn't stick to its mandate and right. therefore the trustee is on the hook for it. Um, so if they, that's what this fine could be about and it's why the last suitor backed away because it right. was talked it could have been half a billion dollars or something. Wow. Um, so if they can settle that and sell that, it'll be back to the link of old, which is... Right the super administration platform. And that's a reasonable business? It's a, it's a decent business, like it's defensive, um, but it's low growth, um, but it's trading on 10 times. So it's not that like the hmm. market's expecting much growth. 5% fully frank yield, this is FY24 numbers. Um, and there is some competitive pressures because these big industry super funds who are the major clients are going back to these guys and saying, we want you, know, you to re-compete yep. um, for that contract every few years. I'd go a hold just because I think you know that they're, they're on the path um, to me to be a better business, and it looks cheap and unloved. Okay, uh, and everyone thinks trustee businesses are really boring, but not if you're a trustee of something that that blows up and go well. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> sort of reinforces yeah. that, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. There is a yeah, they do play a role there. Yeah, completely, <laughs> and they've got to fulfil it. All right, uh, Ben, an ex-doc, uh, Carly wants to know what you think of Qantas. Is it overvalued now, given the current macro? Qantas reported this morning a um, half-year half year of uh, $1.43 billion. That's a $2.7 billion turnaround on the previous corresponding period. As you can see there, uh, revenue, other income almost back to $10 billion. No interim dividend paid at the moment. Travel demand expected to remain strong throughout FY23. And Alan Joyce even saying he expects um, airfares to come down, although he'd be pretty happy with the level they are at the moment, Ben. Um, yeah. As, I, as this result reflects. <laughs> I, I haven't had a good look at the results, so just saying that. But I, I'm, I'm just going to stick with a sell. You know, I think when we were oh. last on, we had a, a question on Qantas as well. And um, that was actually... I did listen to corporate travel a week ago and Jamie yep. Ferris, CEO there, is like really good straight talk. It gives you good insight into what's going on. And his view um, is that in hindsight before COVID, it was the Chinese airlines that were keeping the Qantas's honest right. um, because they were actually providing pretty good levels of service, brand new planes, yep. and you could get a return airfare to Europe for 5,500 bucks with mm -hmm. China Southern, Northern, and cafe and they, they've all been grounded because of COVID right. but he said they're going to really come back online this year and that he thinks the similar sort of pressures will start to play out through ah. the year in terms of ticketing okay. prices yep. and that sort of stuff. Yep. I think as well like we've all had our maybe our travel um, we've cured our travel bug in the short term and again like I'm pretty wary of stocks exposed to the consumer this year yep. so maybe demand normalizes pricing normalizes um, and, you know, it's, yeah, it looks cheap, but the rule of these stocks is you buy them on high PEs and sell them on low PEs, like counterintuitively. Yeah. So I'll stick with the sell. Okay. So Carly, your question is, is it overvalued? According to Ben, yes. 
you've had a good run. Michael, what do you think? Yeah, I'd be I'd be wary with it up here. I mean, it was a good result, but I think it's pretty much as good as it's going to get. It's obviously yep. run pretty hard into the result. And I think, you know, a number of us, I mean, we knew that when everything reopened, people would want to travel. I mean, I'm surprised it's gone as far as it has, despite the high prices. Um, yep. but demand has stayed up at those levels. But but I agree with Ben that I'd be very wary of, of, of anything so that's selling? discretionary. Yeah, especially after today's price reaction where it, it has taken a bit of a hit. It looks yep. like, um, yeah, it looks like the market's already voting with its feet saying, look, that's that's enough, great result. But I don't think it's falling because there's no dividend. I just think mm. that it's it's had a great result. And, um, you know, as, as we've read in the commentary today, you know, there will be increased capacity later in the year, which will bring prices down. And that's not that won't just be increased capacity from Qantas. Yep. As Ben mentioned, there'll be other airlines, um, you know, because there is a long yep. lead time to get all the planes up and running again, pull oh. them out of the desert and, you know, clean yep. them up and maintain yeah, them. And, the pilots and that, yeah, and that seems to be, it seems to all be dovetailing to end of this year uh, for, for okay. increased capacity. So, yeah, I think oh. it's as good as it's going to get. So are you avoiding consumer discretionary yep. like Ben is as yeah. well? So that means retailers. Yeah. You're avoiding retailers? Uh, not all of them. Like um, one of our biggest holdings is Wes Farmers, but right. I, I think, you know, to me, everyone's going to be refocusing on what they're spending on things, right. and so I still think Wes Farmers can grow in that environment. But um, yeah, I mean, I so I, we we had Scott Phillips from Motley Fuller and Mark Morland from Team Investor on on Monday. Yep, Monday, and they were saying. The biggest bargains are in retail at the moment. Yeah, PEs under really ten. High. Yeah, um, you know the JB Hi-Fi's, Nick Scarley, yeah. retail group. Yeah, super retail. I, I'm sure they're cheap, but it's like, what do the earnings look like over the next year? And right. they'll all fare a bit differently. You know, I would have thought Nick Scarley might be more susceptible to, um, yeah. you know, a softer sell. I mean, th- these are really well-managed businesses, but you you want to own them at the right points in the cycle. Right. And um, maybe so it's no a second half the of the year story where right. you get the PEs re-rate higher. Get your timing right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, Jules wants a view on good drinks. Uh, they obviously, as the name implies, it's uh, uh, into beer and cider and beverages, uh, uh, operates some hospitality venues, Gage Roads um, is one of its uh, bigger brands, the Atomic Beer Project, so, uh, and Sam McGuell, um, it distributes that in Australia. Ben, what do you think of Good Drinks? I didn't, I'd never heard of this company, mm. but it is the old Gage Roads Brewery, Brewery which we yeah. might be GRB more familiar yeah. with, um, which I think Woolies was once a big shareholder in, not anymore, it's yeah. the register, but, um, it's very illiquid and it's quite small, but it's interesting. Like I looked at their last trading update, it was really strong. Yeah. Um, and they, what they seem to be cycling, you yeah, can see there really the illiquidity. Yeah, that really does look illiquid. It's really tightly held. Because um, uh, there's this, there's Mighty Craft is another one. Yeah. There's a, these smaller boutique drinks groups. Yeah, and what these guys do is they own some good assets. And what they've been doing is they've been letting other companies use those assets to brew beers, ah. but they're trying to grow their own brands. And what it looks like they're doing is they're slowly kicking the other companies out, right. which they make lower margins on as they grow their own ah. um, businesses. Ah. Okay. The, the, 
The, re the recent trading update was quite strong. They did say margins are under pressure, com competition. We know raw materials have been strong, like, you know, if you look at a couple of other businesses. It's trading on 19 times, but there's only one analyst that follows this stock, so I'm right. always a bit wary. <laughs> they, can, oh, okay. yeah. they can easily get it wrong. But I, I'm going to go a hold. Um, you know, I think these brands, the big brewing companies, put a lot more value on them than you kind of expect there to yeah. be. And yeah. um, maybe it's one that they could be looking at at some stage. And it owns some good assets. Yeah, because um, uh, those big breweries have been gobbling up some of the craft brewers, yeah. the Pirate Lifes and things like that. Four Pines. Yep. yep. Uh, Michael? It does look like a good business. I mean, I saw the same result. I mean, they're doing really well. They're, they're, they're taking market share um, in an industry where, uh, you know, the, the amount of people drinking beer is decreasing each year. So, you know, you've got, you've got that as a headwind. But um, as, as Ben's earlier point, um, just no liquidity. I mean, some days it only trades about 10 grand's worth. So right. good business, but not you could a good get investment in. as a as a listed stock. Yeah, right. that's that's okay. correct. So look, I'd just sell it based on that. But yeah, as a business, they don't seem to be doing anything wrong at the moment. Okay, all right. Dean wants to view uh, Michael on Genworth, the uh, the um, lenders mortgage insurance group. Uh, when you take out your mortgage insurance, uh, a lot of it will come from uh, from Genworth. Yeah. So this one, so it's now had a change of code to to HLI. Um, now this is looks like this is a business that is also yet to report so just be very wary the last we heard from them was back in december looks like they are um, expecting their their claims to increase yeah. um, naturally as as rates go up and um, and homeowners or mortgage holders find it harder to to um, you know pay those pay those mortgages so they hadn't okay. seen that yet at their last um, but what what you're saying is with this so-called mortgage cliff that's coming Mm. and people sort of revert to the variable rate uh, and put under pressure, these guys... It's a risk. Could be, um, could be is, susceptible. Yeah, I mean, is that why the share price has gone nowhere? Or, you know, yeah. Is the market obviously trying to factor that in? Um, yeah, I just find that one a bit, bit too tough to figure out at the moment. I think let's, let's wait for the result. I'm not sure what day it is, but you know, we'll yep. find out more um, from, from the company. Yeah, they will but that's be, the key risk. That'll be a good barometer. Yeah, of uh, of uh, the lending market, uh, Ben. Big time. Yeah, I, I think the thing this this is kind of a company's mortgage book is like it's in, in rundown in a way. It, it it spits out a lot of so it's on a ten percent fully frank yield. Yeah. And although it's gone sideways for five years, I think it's paid that through and some specials. So it's actually been a really good investment. Mm. Okay. It's always got the thing over. You know, you can suddenly get knocked out with these kind of businesses if the claims really escalate. Yep. And I'd be really careful. I mean, it's trading on six times earnings and a 10% yield, but I'd still say sell. Right. Because um, A, I, I had a coffee with a mortgage broker last week and he said, we are, the volumes have just gone through the floor in terms of, um, you know, people looking to get a mortgage. Oh yeah. Um, so Cause listings, property listings are down Terribly. enormously yeah. at the moment. When you look at auction rates at the moment, clearance rates, that's only one part of the story. There are hardly any yeah. coming Auctions. to market at the moment. Completely. Yeah. And there's hardly any people going to a bank and applying for a mortgage. Yeah. We heard this from CBA a couple of weeks yeah. ago as Everyone's well. Everyone's going in the bunker. Everyone's going to a bunker. You know, is it necessary? But anyway, it's happening. And 
So you, you've got the volume side's going to be very weak. You think yep. people, you know, they only make money if someone needs mortgage insurance on yep. a new purchase. And then on the other side, you've got what are the claims going to do? And, and the claims are when, you know, and you've got, as unfortunate it is, it's going to be people really, you know, at that pointy end or at the bread line, yep. rates have gone like this, they've got mortgage insurance, suddenly, you know, do we see people walking away from houses? Hopefully mm. not, but mm. there will be some people who probably will have to. Yeah. And these guys are on the In hook. negative equity. Yeah. And that, well, they pay the, you know, if they sell that house and there is negative equity, then Genworth or whoever's it provided Make up the difference. Yep, yeah, that's right. Wow. Okay, so, so you're saying, I'll pick you up on your comment, Yeah. Um, that when we said people going into the bunker, and you say, yes, they've gone into the bunker, whether it's necessary or not. Mm. So does that become a self-fulfilling pro prophecy for the Reserve Bank? Because I, I talked to a bloke in retail the other day who said, he, this is worse than even the GFC. Yeah. He hasn't seen it as bad as this for decades. Yeah. Uh, retailers trying to sell their business because they can't make it work because consumers are just not spending. Yeah, I, it feels like to me there's been a very sharp change in the mood in the in the in the population and, and pretty quickly too. pretty quickly like I, I think even from the start of this year yeah. and um, everyone's got an opinion on this I've got mine which isn't necessarily right but um, I think the RBA is jawboning us they yeah. they are trying to scare yeah. us they're playing um, with their mind yep I agree with you they're yeah. hoping that, that oh, that's a good thing yeah, well, you've, got yeah one, well, you've got one fan I agree with you yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, whether they need to go as hard as they're saying they're prepared to, yeah. I really struggle. Like, I, I, mm. I, I think there could be an overreach, and yeah. but central banks seem willing to do that. Yeah. Um, well, the board minutes that came out the other day, there's a comment in there saying they were looking at the labour market, which the Fed is doing in the US. So just in the last week, you've seen a decline in jobs, an increase in unemployment, which was uh, not expected. And the wage price index during the week, uh, that didn't come in nearly as high as everybody expected either. Yeah. And consumer sentiment. And they said the other thing they're looking at is household spending. Well, consumer sentiment's fallen off a cliff and it sounds like spending's yeah. down as well. I reckon so you could that will see, fulfil that. You could see deflation this year, I, I reckon. Wow. Yeah, honestly, I, I think you could because I think it's, it's happening so rapidly. Yeah. Um, we know like every retail you see has got so much inventory on their mm. balance sheet. Yeah. So there's going to be a lot of, you know, cheap wow. product out yeah. there and yeah. reluctant consumers. And Defa the only thing of keeping inflation up at the moment by the look of it is rents. Yes. Um, yeah. And that's a yeah. big part of it. Can yeah. you foresee deflation, Michael? Yeah. Um, I mean, from probably second, sorry, probably about third quarter last year, there was, um, uh, noticeable increases in inventory in in the US in Walmart yeah. and, uh, and and some other stores and they they refer to it as the bullwhip effect so you basically end up with this build-up of inventory and then demand drops and then you need to uh, you need to get rid of it to um, yeah. uh, basically just uh, you know because you, you can't hold it and it just just has that that just sort of snowballs and you just end up with um, with really low prices wow. okay from there, so. all right so it's all happening so fast at the moment, isn't <laughs> yeah. it? It's hard, hard to keep on top of it. 
Um, Michael Serena wants a view on Ardent Leisure, the owner and operator of Leisure Assets in Australia, Dreamworld, Waterworld on the, on the Gold Coast. They, they did sell their American interests, didn't they? And mm. um, um, a lot of their property. Yeah, I think this is, to me, a similar story to, to Qantas. So it's, it's definitely benefited from, from all the travel. Um, if you're looking at um, not just event, but um, sorry, not just um, the main entertainment, but also you know, all the theme parks over in Queensland. And I mean, the, their last release six months ago you know, was a cracking result. And I think their earnings are higher than what, it, what they were achieving pre-COVID. Yep. But again, is this as good as it's going to get? It's run pretty hard into the result, which is tomorrow. Right. Um, and again, I just be, I just think that that, you know, Queensland holiday spend is, you know, if most people have already done it. It is a bit discretionary, and they might not mm. be booking a new one for the end of this year okay. necessarily. So, um, yeah, look, I mean, the results tomorrow. Let's just see what what comes out. But unless so it's you'd a wait for the result, results. Yeah, look, it's. It's, I'd, I'd wait for the result and um, I'd, be, I'd be having a look at it pretty early. I mean, as we saw with Qantas today, it started the day okay and then the selling kicked in. So you'd have to act pretty quickly tomorrow if you could see that it's right. you know, not a, not a okay. cracking result. Just so I'll hold it and watch tomorrow. Ben? Um, I'm going to go hold because they've got a lot of cash. They've yep. still got a, a, a fair whack left over from the main event sale in America. Yep. They own like a big property asset on, you know, they own a lot of these property, physical properties. They've got a really good, um, Gary Weiss has done a great job at getting this company back on track, oh. the chairman, and he's a big shareholder. Um, they look expensive, but if you look at it from an asset point of view, they don't, you know, they're not trading that much higher than their assets, cash and property. Um, yeah, look, I, I kind of think, you know, maybe people go back to going up just not just, but going to Queensland to holiday, family holiday rather than going to Thailand or, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it actually maybe could feed into that. We have had a, a, a really good summer, you know, and we had two awful summers where, you yeah. know, the, 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 the theme parks really struggled. So I think the result's going to be good. And I still think there's value there, but it's, it's not as cheap as it was. So right. stick with a hold. Okay. All right. Let's recap the, uh, the first five stocks, stock of the day. Um, um, uh, Blackmore's a hold from Ben and a no from Michael. Link, the same thing, a hold from Ben, a no from Michael. Uh, both agree sell on Qantas. It's as good as it's going to get. Uh, good drinks, a sell from Michael, a hold from Ben. Uh, Genworth, a sell from uh, Ben, a no from Michael. And Ardent, a hold from both. Uh, here on the call, uh, we've been following our own high conviction fantasy fund, growth fund as picked by the investment committee, which Ben is part of. Uh, the last committee meeting is up on the platform at the moment, osbiz.com. At the uh, February meeting, uh, they got out of Aristocrat and JB Hi-Fi. Uh, they added Paradigm and New Century Resources. Uh, the uh, listed copper uh, producer, which is under takeover offer over the last couple of days, and is up been something like forty percent. Did you did you recommend that? Henry sent me an email within hours of that being announced. <laughs> yep. So um, <laughs> it certainly wasn't me, and it uh, it certainly was him. And he was the first to tell you, <laughs> a great uh, pick. Yeah, it's, yeah, really good awesome. pick. Timing. Uh, also, the other decisions they made was to increase the weighting of BHP 
CSL and Boss Energy. If we take a look at the fund, it's up 12.5% since uh, March the 1st. So uh, keep your requests coming through on the call because that's the first filter that gets to the investment committee. At CMC, we've been in the game for a while, and although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second-to-none trading tools, plus our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. Join us tomorrow afternoon as we finish the week with and the month with the last call and we chat about everything. So uh, it's always a lot of fun. Uh, this half hour, Brambles, we're going to take a look at also Blackmore's uh, Cash Converters, Zip, Star Entertainment, um, all coming up. But um, uh, Ben Garth, uh, what's of you on Brambles? Garth says, everyone says it's boring. It's up 18% of the year. Should I buy? Of course, Bramble's um, famous for its chip wooden pallet. Basically a logistics business. Yeah, and, and boring is cool, Garth. <laughs> that's, what, that's what everyone wanted in the last year. Because, uh, you know, you look at Woolworths and Coles and uh, Amcor and some of these businesses, people just wanted defensive, dependable, low growth stocks. That's where all yeah. their money retreated to. Um, whilst everyone tried to work out what was going to happen with rates and there's still a bit of that going on. Um, I'm going to go a sell on Brambles. Uh, the reason for that is not so much it's boring. I, I mean, Brambles makes effectively, like you said, Kosh, you know, makes a lot of money getting things from A to B and mm. the big customers are people like Walmart and you know, they have thousands, hundreds of thousands of these pallets that they move things around yep. on. And we know at the moment, I think, that because there's been a build-up of inventory globally coming out of COVID, there's been a lot of demand for pallets because it's got to be stored on something yep. and moved from A to B on something. And what I think you see in 2023 is the inventory unwind and these pallets get sent back. Mm. And if they're sitting in a warehouse at Brambles waiting for a new customer, they're not making any money out of that right, pallet. Right. So it's pretty simplistic, my reason, but I, I, I think that's what I see playing out. Still got some cost inflation um, that they're having to deal with, uh, but it doesn't look cheap. Um, so go sell. Okay. Michael? Um, yeah, I mean, not boring over the last year, but over the last 10 years, yeah, it has been boring. It's, I mean, as an investment, it's been poor because it, the share price has gone nowhere. You've picked up a few dividends, but, you know, the opportunity cost has been, has been massive if you've held brambles in the long term. Um, I mean, in terms of as we know, uh, prices of, of timber have come down a lot in the last several months, so that's helped. But, yeah, I also don't think there's much much upside from here. I mean, it, it's quite sensitive to to the economy. I mean, an economic recovery is, would be good for Brambles if you can look forward to, you know, past the next several months and, and beyond. But, um, yeah, look, I just I just think that up at these, up at these levels, you're, you're sort of punting on a on an earlier recovery and you know, I think there'll be better opportunities elsewhere. Okay, all right, so a sell both on Brambles. All right, well, wait. next talk is uh, Blackmores, but we're waiting for the Chief Executive to join us in the meantime. Uh, Michael, uh, cash converters, um, The uh, mm. as name implies, what would you, you call it? Um, 
a lender. A lender, secured, right. unsecured loans. <laughs> it's better than the old. Uh, yeah. All right. Pawnbroker. Pawnbroker. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. This. Um, I mean, first up, this is actually quite illiquid as well. So, like right. the beer business, not a good investment. Um, but unlike the beer business, I think that one was a good business. This one isn't. Mm. Um, regulatory issues. I mean, obviously, the way they make money is lending lending to individuals that are really struggling and um, you know clearly there's been a bit of a crackdown on that uh, over over the years um, you know targeting those individuals and and offering them obscene um, interest rates for loans yep. um, and obviously as as interest rates go up uh, you know the demand for for their loans would be would be decreasing I mean you can maybe make the argument that um, as people get more more desperate, they might be turning to a cash converters. But mm. um, yeah, look, it's they even they even noted um, only a few days ago an impairment charge, um, and I think Austrac is is has got some issues with them as well. So I think there's just too many too many right. issues, no liquidity. Oh. It's a sell. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, agree. Yeah, I, I, for all the same reasons, they've got a big loan book as well, which I'd be pretty worried about. I don't know if that was where the impairment was, but um, mm. uh, you know, you you lent like I think the model from when I last remember is I give you something that's valuable and you right. lend me money, and yep. the rate's pretty nasty, pretty pretty high. Yeah, and if I don't repay you, you keep that and try and sell it through the store network, and that was right. sort of the business model and. Um, They've, they've Oztrack, ASIC, there's been constant, you know, because they're seen as gouging these people who are in pretty desperate times. Yep. Um, CFO resigned recently as well, who was only there for a couple of years. None of the recent headlines look like something you want, a lot of red flags there. So yep. I go sell. Okay. Um, and there is a big crackdown on these payday lenders and things like that, yeah. isn't it? which they get they get caught into. 100%. All right. Uh, Jeremy uh, wants a view, Ben, on Zip, one of the stars of probably two years ago. got caught up in the in the buy now, pay later surge. It was one of those hot stocks that sort of got up to, what, 10 or $11 I at think one stage. 14 or 15, 14, even. 15. It's, yeah. Wow. You think back to what. Oh, crazy <laughs> times, madness, weren't they? It was. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, but it it is more than buy now pay later, and it had been around a lot before buy now pay later, doesn't yeah, it? it was that's sort right. of a, a small fintech. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I, these guys are in a race against time. They're, they're they're really trying to grow their revenue line, take the cost line out as quickly as possible, and try and swivel into um, generating positive cash flow each yeah. quarter because their balance sheet is looking seriously stretched. I mean, they've got plenty of cash there, but as you can see, they're cycling through a lot yeah. of cash each quarter. Most recent result, uh, $351 million, uh, in revenue, yep. up 19%, but the loss, $242 million. Yes. And so even though revenue is going up, they're actually losing a quarter money of billion. at a greater rate. Yeah. yeah. And that... The, the worry that the analysts will have with this business are the, the impairments. So, right. because if people start late paying on these quarterlies or you know whatever the, the repayment schedule is, the impairments to date have been remarkably low, um, but you think that's got to change going right. into this year. Uh, so that's where things could get really nasty for them. So 
I'm going to say sell. I'd still sell right. this. Uh, I, I just think the balance sheet looks too uncertain to me. They've recently had to do a pretty distressed kind of raising, which tells you where the market's at. They do say in the result, they've got sufficient cash and liquidity to deliver uh, positive cash in financial year 24. Yep. Well, if that's right, then it's probably a buy. But we've heard this from a lot of companies. Right. And it do, there's a lot of, there's, there's, there's variables in this, and I'm sure they've said subject to market to conditions or something right. like that in there. and. You've got to put your own sort of spin on it. Um, the other thing we are seeing is like, it seems like this regulatory crackdown in Australia is really gaining uh, momentum yep. in terms of uh, what they're doing here, which is where they've got a pretty profitable business. It was going in to the rest of the world in hindsight was a big mistake. Uh, yep. They were chasing growth, they overpaid for it and it's come back to bite them. So look, maybe they can get through this next 12 months. They yep. can. If they can get that revenue line higher, they get the cost line lower, the provisioning stays okay, and they can hit that positive cash flow, they're probably cheap. Yeah. Well, they, they are cheap. Um, right. But you've also just got to think, how sustainable is the long-term business here? Because yeah. there's a lot of competition. That's but the coming. metrics change and investor metrics change quickly, don't they? Yeah. Sort of, wasn't that long ago that everyone's going, oh, don't worry about the bottom line. It's just building customers. They've got 8 million customers, Yeah, a lot of customers. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, interest rates rise, squeezes on, oh no. <laughs> profit counts. To, yeah, yeah, profit counts, positive cash flow counts. Yeah. yeah. And uh, for a lot of these founders, that's a whole change in psychology, isn't it? That's yeah, a whole completely. change in management. Yeah, and also um, capital markets almost overnight turned off. Yes. So, you know, they were using shareholder funds to keep funding their losses and their growth and yeah. when that suddenly you're not sure if you'd be able to get a raising away yeah that's when profit becomes important yeah. again yeah yeah michael zip um yeah pretty much pretty much well covered so you know the business is is doing you know quite poorly but um you know as ben mentioned if they can uh, be cash flow positive then it's cheap but they're heading in there's just too many headwinds it's not yeah. as though um, it comes back to one of Ben's earlier comments in, in the show. I mean, you've got to be in the right, when we talk about discretionary, the right sectors at the right time. Yeah. This is the wrong time yeah. to, for these guys to be trying to make a profit because everything's going against them. The interest rates are going up. Uh, consumers are tightening their belts, regulatory uh, issues. Yeah, they've got a lot of customers, but how sticky are those customers? I mean, do they really care whether they use Zip or Afterpay yeah. to to fund their purchases. So like, after pay so. went into Block, Block's doing quite well. Mm. Um, so is that a case of in tough times, everyone just goes to the market leader and they win and get stronger? Or the fact that Afterpay is such a small part of Block mm. that it really doesn't count for much anyhow? I think from, from the customer point of view, they just want to use whatever gives them the best deal. Yeah. And I mean, is Zip in a position to um, be competitive, uh, you know, they, they're losing money as it is. Yeah. Um, but then you think about who's investing in, in the business from a shareholder point of view, are you going to back Zip or are you going to back mm. what looks like the one who's going to be left standing at the end of 2023? Yeah. So yeah. they've then got the problem, I think, of trying to attract shareholder funds. It's just going to continue to get harder and harder right. um, okay. as we progress throughout the year. Okay, so sell on both. All right, um, our next stock, 
Stacey wants a view on uh, on Star Entertainment, saying the Gold Coast Casino seems to be packed with new tourists all the time. Obviously, Stacey lives up there and is seeing the traffic flow. Um, is it a good buy, Michael? Um, uh, the big so casino operated not only on the Gold Coast, mm. but here in Sydney. And yeah, they're looking to uh, obviously raise funds. I think it's still in a trading hole. Yep. Um, interesting to see what they come up with. I mean, it, it could be a case of, um, you know, this might be as bad as it gets. Clearly, the share price has had a diabolical performance they had a terrible there result the didn't last they? year. Yeah, yeah, and you've got and you got the fine for, um, for for the Sydney casino. But it's almost as if the politicians are falling over backwards to not let it go bust. I mean, they you know what what a star need to do and Crown need to do to uh, to lose their license completely. I mean, they seem to uh, not pay as much tax. Yeah, bit of a <laughs> Stephen Bradbury <laughs> sort of moment. Everyone's falling down. They're, and they're, they're big. They're big employers though, and they pay yeah. a lot of tax to those state governments, don't they? Yeah. So it's um, in some ways they can't fail. No. So maybe at some point it, it does become cheap enough. Right. So but we'll not see what happens. At the so yeah, we'll, what would we'll you be doing? Out of the trading hole. I'll see what right. the result is. I mean, at the moment you can't trade it. Look, I'd I'd be holding it here as a speculative. Right. Okay. okay. Ben? I, I reckon it could be interesting. Um, I'll, oh. Always good to look at companies when they're doing these emergency capital raisings. Yep. You know, we saw them during COVID and Star owns a really good property asset, but you know, what they were doing in there was appalling um, in hindsight. Uh, what the state government is doing to them, I think is crazy as well. Like they basically pushed them into this, but you know, if you run a business culturally where you're doing what they were doing, there's not going to be any public sentiment saying, well, you know, Perite, why are you doing this? Yeah. But the, the ta- what they brought, these overnight tax changes, and I think it's, it's kind of unfair. Uh, but, um, you know, I just saw, I just got an email before this. Um, so they're raising $800 million at $1.20, it sounds like. Right. Um, Bruce Matheson's been building a stake in Star. He's a great oh. operator and he's behind... So Bruce- Matheson was the guy who got Woolworths into hotels and pokies yep. that yep. has been spun out into Endeavour. Yeah, and he's right. the chairman of Endeavour and the right. largest shareholder. Yep. Um, so he knows how to run hospitality and gaming venues. Right. And look, it, it's, it's the start is, it's, don't worry about what you're seeing in Queensland. It's a complete mess. Uh, I mean, it's good to think about, you know, what's going well in front of you, but the reality is down here in Sydney, there's regulators crawling over all over them. There's yep. fines coming from all these directions. There's three separate class shareholder class actions looming against them. The, the amount of cost and management attention that would be on this and not on running a casino would be right. incredible. But a dollar twenty. <laughs> I, 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 was wait, I was waiting for the but yeah. because I'm thinking. Hey, didn't I just hear you Where's go? You could be, this? Could yeah. be quite interesting. Well, that's why it's a dollar fifty, and now you you know dollar twenty. So the share price will probably hit that because yeah. it's such a big well, issue. Yeah. Um, I reckon it could be good. You, you know, it, they, they don't always work out, but eight or nine out of ten. You know, one I saw today, Auckland Airport hit over eight dollars upgraded guidance. They they raise money. Remember Webjet and Flight Centre. You know the. $1.65, I think, Webjet did, right. Flight Center. You know, these emergency balance sheet repair raisings can be a really good time to buy into a business. And um, I'm not saying rush out and do it, but have a look at all the information that comes out with it and um, make a decision. So I'm going to go 
if I could buy it at a dollar twenty, I reckon so it's a buy. So speculative buy at a dollar twenty. Yeah, well, not even speculative. I, I think you know you're still they own an enormous land asset, and right. yeah, it's it's been atrocious. But Robbie, I know well from Tyro. He's in there. He will. He's a really good operator, and he will get them through this. So um, I think it could. What the new chief executive? Yeah, yeah, Robbie Cook. So he's, so he's from Tyro. He's from Tyro, and he was at. They what, had some what issues, if. though. They, they did, but he, he got them through the issues. And the issues, I think, in many cases were outside of their making, particularly right. the lockdowns in hospitality venues across the country. Right. Um, so, yeah. So how, how do we get star at $1.20? Well, if you're not so in... So it's going through instos. Yeah, so there's a placement, and then I believe there's a three for five rights issue. So existing shareholders can buy more. Right. Um, but... When you're issuing eight hundred million dollars of shares at a dollar twenty, I'd almost I'd be amazed if the share price on the aftermarket doesn't get very close to a dollar twenty. All right, so wait till that. It'll close that gap. Right. Okay. Uh, but if you're with a broker, you will they get an allocation m- as well? Maybe, maybe it depends. So if you're with a shore or something like that, do you give them a call? I suspect this will bell? get snapped up by institutions. You know, right. I'm not. I won't be the only person thinking this. So okay. um, there's a lot more experienced people than me that'll be. I think licking their lips at this so okay yeah so, so you've you got to see where it trades to maybe it doesn't trade to a dollar 20 maybe it's a dollar 30 dollar 35 you've got to run your numbers on that but right that's still but if it's down to a dollar 20 yeah and because institution is this also the logic of the market as well because institutions are buying at a dollar 20 they've got skin in the game to make sure yeah they do make a profit on it so yeah. they're, they're not going to get in and just sell immediately There'll be some of that. Um, there'll be some opportunistic guys who've got a dollar twenty. If I can get out a dollar thirty-five in a week, happy days. Right. Okay. Um, but you know, the, because this is the other thing. When you've got emergency capital raisings, you can't be too picky about who you're giving the stock to. You just need to mm. raise this money. Right. The underwriters have underwritten it. They all spray it left, right, and centre. They just want to move it on. Flog it. Yeah. yeah. It's not. This isn't. You know. This raising has not been done for the right reasons, and no. it's and it's you can tell from the price that, you know, it's for their survival. Right. Okay. All right. Um, that's very interesting. All right. Uh, our other stock that uh, that you want us to have have a look at is Blackmores, and we thought we'd go straight to the horse's mouth on this. Uh, joining us now, Alistair, the chief executive of Blackmores. Uh, welcome, Alistair. Tell us the highlights of the result for you. Oh. Hang on. I'm not sure if we're not hearing you. Ah, uh, oh, there we go. I think we've got you now, Alistair. Yep. Uh, Great. Thank you. I didn't touch anything. No, so that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, man, let me start again. I uh, look solid result first half of FY23. I think we were backing up on what was a, uh, a challenging first half, you know, prior, uh, prior period where you think about the first half of FY22. We had our Indonesia business growing at um, over 100%. There was a lot of tailwind in the first quarter of last year on the back of surges in Indonesia and Thailand in particular. Uh, so our international business in terms of the prior period. Um, was down, but and that impacted group results. But if you take out those COVID surges, net sales up three percent, uh, EBIT up twenty eight point four percent, net impact, net profit after tax up seventeen percent. So that 
that allowed us to then uh, deliver an 87 cent dividend fully framed to our shareholders, which is 38% up on the first half dividend from from last year. So we're, we're, we're pretty pleased with the result. Um, you know, there's a, there's a period of time there in the first half, uh, inflationary impact, we took some pricing in the markets, 5 to 6% in Australia, 7 to 8% in the international markets, and, you know, we're still able to hold our gross margin. So um, despite all of that, uh, you know, a pretty solid result. Yeah, Alistair, I've got uh, Ben Clark from TMS Capital here with us, Ben. Yeah, Alistair, congrats on a solid result. I, I wanted to ask a question. It's a common theme we're seeing is, you know, the share price looks like it's been sold off, maybe not so much on the result, but more the uncertainty of what the next year holds for the company. Could you give us some insight when, assuming we do go into a consumer downturn, etc., how have how elastic is the sales of vitamins and these sort of products that you mm. sell in those periods? Do consumers see it more as, say, a medicine or is it more disposable during those times? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, we just, I mean, it is more like a medicine, I would say. It's, it's relatively inelastic versus, say, some other consumer products. Uh, the other thing to think about with vitamins is it's part of your daily routine. You've been taking your fish oil, you've been taking your vitamin C, vitamin D. You don't necessarily stop taking the products because, uh, you know, health is one of the sort of primary drivers of, of, of the consumption of our vitamins. And so maintaining that health even during an economic downturn is, is something that's top of mind for, for consumers. What we do see is there are parts of our range which I would call as more discretionary than others. So you might have a niggle here and there. Um, you know, in the past, if you had a little bit more money, you might start trialing some other products. We see some of that uh, coming off a little bit. Um, we also see what I would call a dynamic, and we've seen it in the, just in the last sort of six to eight weeks, actually, which is um, we have a lot of our products sold in traditional pharmacy. If you think about COVID, people were shopping locally in their, with their pharmacies. They've started moving. They've got now all those retail outlets um, available to them. So they've moved into Chemist Warehouse, into Grocery. They've got online. So in terms of a total omni-channel option, they can shop wherever they need to now. And so they are looking for big brands, reputable brands, trusted brands at the best price. So they are shifting more um, between channels than what we saw just a few months ago to look for the, the best price. Mm, that's interesting. Alistair, Michael Gable from Fairmont's here as well. Michael. Hi, Alistair. Great result. Um, I was quite impressed with the way you managed to um, increase your margins locally. Um, we were talking earlier about, um, you know, cost pressures um, in the economy and how, you know, we may even be surprised this year of, um, you know, inflation being lower than um, than what the RBA is, is claiming it could be. I mean, what, where, where do you think uh, the, the cost pressures may go this year and are you able to continue to increase your margins throughout the year? Mm. Yeah, look, uh, thanks for the question, Michael. We still are uh, seeing raw material cost inflation um, and, you know, we've, we've got over a thousand products. So if you think about the inputs that go into making a thousand products, whether it's labels, bottles, the ingredients that go into our vitamins, there's always an impact that's coming through in terms of rising prices. Um, through COVID, a lot of that was linked to increase in supply chain costs. We've actually seen supply chain costs stabilise and in some instances come down a little bit, but access and availability of raw materials is something that is still, um, you know, we're managing on a, on a sort of weekly and monthly basis. So we've, we ex I'll give you one example is fish oil. Uh, we've seen uh, raw material costs go up 
15 to 20% in the last 12 months. We expect them to continue to rise um, in the next six to 12. So we've, uh, we haven't, and we haven't priced at those levels on fish oil, but you know, we've taken pricing across a number of different products where we see that there's an opportunity for us to recover some of that cost. So that's number one. I think the other area that we're looking at in terms of expanding margins is just on our supply chain generally. So, you know, is there a better way for us to deliver cost, um, you know, lower, lowest cost, but maintain agility through the supply chain? And we've learned a lot through COVID, which we're applying to supply chain network design where we can make savings across both manufacturing and supply chain. And they're, they're the two key areas. And I think the third is probably the investments we're making in IT. We're making spending about 20 to $22 million in the last 12 months on IT investments, which means that we're more productive, more efficient. Um, so in terms of refinements to our organisation design, um, we can we can see opportunities there as well. Mm. Uh, Alistair, give us an update on China um, as a markup for you. Yeah, look, China, Koshi, I mean, in the first half, we were really pleased with the 6.1% growth. They came out of lockdown in December 8th. Yeah. Uh, we saw uh, some demand come from the platforms, a lot of demand actually at the back end of December. Oh. Uh, Chinese New Year is a little bit early this year, it's the third week of January. We're anticipating, I think a lot of people are anticipating the combination of pre-Chinese New Year and coming out of lockdown. So we did see good sales through late December, early Jan. It's been interesting because there's, there's two phenomena that Australia has been the benefactor of over the last couple of years. One is travellers, the other one is Chinese students. Yeah. We see students coming back. Uh, so 160,000 students pre-COVID, it's crept up over about 100,000, we think, towards the end of Jan. So we expect that to uh, sort of re refill, I would say, in terms of the number of students. Travellers is the one that's a really interesting one because, you know, the feedback we've had um, out of China is flights are expensive to Australia. Uh, you know, if you look at the exchange rates at the moment, it's not a cheap place to come and, and holiday. And the, the Chinese typically, when they start to sell, sense that there's an economic downturn, they will default to saving. They will drive more <laughs> savings mentality. So they are looking at whether or not it's uh, it's worth their while coming to Australia. So there's there's those dynamics inside China itself. Um, we're still yet to see what a post lockdown <laughs> yeah. consumer sentiment would look like. But um, we hope to see more of that as we get through Golden Week, which is in April. Yeah, and uh, certainly having the students back because they use you as a bit of a side hustle, don't they? They go and buy a bigger chemist warehouse and make a margin by flogging it to their family and friends back home. <laughs> we have seen some of that over the years, absolutely. I think it's... Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I, and it's, I mean, it's a legitimate channel for us to introduce our products. You know, there's yeah. a diaspora that's here in, in Australia, a very thriving diaspora, and yeah. you know, so they, they're talking to their families back in China. The, the interesting thing is the difference between, say, 2015, where it boomed, and where we are today, is that <coughs> platforms are far more sophisticated. Right. The marketing right. that these Daigao have is far more sophisticated. So it's less about filling suitcases and taking it home. <laughs> it is about, as you say, finding those opportunities for a little bit of an extra, extra yeah. pocket money yeah. for the students. Yeah, exactly. Alistair, thanks very much for joining us and uh, congratulations on the result. Once again, the increased dividend shareholders happy. Appreciate your time. Great. Have a great day. Thanks. Uh, interesting there, seeing yeah. he's classing it more as a, almost a healthcare stock than, uh, than discretionary retail. Yeah, it's always been this argument in the market, hasn't it, Michael? Like, mm. how, do you, how do you look at it? I, you know, it has probably proven to be over the years. It's yeah. been pretty defensive, but. Yeah. All right, good to have him on board.
We're running out of time. Just quickly on the uh, the final stocks: Brambles a sell, uh, cash converters a sell, Zip a sell, uh, Star a hold from Michael, and an interesting buy if you can get it for a dollar twenty. Uh, the issue price for Star Entertainment. It's one to mull over from from Ben. Uh, ben Clark from TMS, good to see you, mate. Thank, Thank you kindly. Yep. Michael Gable from Fairmont, good to see you, you as well. As I say, we have to dash. The pulse is coming up.